Thanks to our sponsor, Datasite One from Merrill Corporation, the market-leading due diligence app for the entire M&A lifecycle, helping companies worldwide close more deals faster. To learn more and sign up for a free demo, go to merrillcorp.com/fool. It's Wednesday, July 31st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, Greg Bechtel and Elise Montgomery. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. We've got entertainment. We've got online education. We've got a couple of stocks on our radar. And we're going to start with the world's biggest fruit company. Shares of Apple up 4% today. Third quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. Uh, Greg, obviously, there's always a lot to consider when you're looking at Apple's business. You tell me, what stood out? In Apple's quarter, yeah, um, I think that this quarter was definitely critical um, for the company to rebound after this last year and last two quarters of iPhone revenue dropping a little bit. And um, although iPhone revenue continued to drop twelve uh, percent from last year, I think that overall their earnings was pretty promising for the future. Um, they're definitely showing us that they're much more than just an iPhone company. Uh, their services and wearables reached all-time highs this quarter in revenue, and their wearables, I think, are the key point to look at. They raised to 5.5 billion, which is up 50 percent from last year. That's amazing. So, yeah. Well, particularly when you consider where wearables as a division started out, um, and we'll get back to the iPhone in a second. But um, I'm, at least I'm curious what you thought of the quarter because, you know, similar to Greg, I looked at. You know, when the iPhone gets all the attention, but I looked at the continued growth in services and in wearables, and I think if you're an Apple shareholder, which to my detriment I am not, um, you got to be pleased with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I'm really pleased with the wearables market. I'm a huge, uh, I'm a happy consumer actually of uh, an Apple's wearable, an Apple wearable at least. Um, yeah, so I think it's great, and I think that, I mean, they're going to continue to grow their wearables market, and the demand will continue to be there. Let's get back to the iPhone for a second, because you know this is getting a headline, and I don't think this is unwarranted. That that for the first time, really since the iPhone launched back in mm-hmm. 2012, I guess, um, that iPhone, which has been such a cash cow for Apple, was less than 50 percent of revenue. Yeah, and for as encouraged as people should be about what's happening in services and yeah. wearables, you string together a couple more quarters of that type of drop, Greg, and then I think Apple is. Uh, it would be an overstated statement to say that they would be in trouble, but um, that's a trend line that uh, you don't want to see. Yeah, and I mean the good news is that I think we're seeing that decrease slow, especially in. Uh, one of the takeaways I got was China makes up a fifth of their revenue, and I know over the last two quarters their iPhone sales have dropped twenty percent, and it only dropped four percent this this quarter, which was promising. I thought, uh, so hopefully we see it moving in the right direction. So when you look at the stock today, as I mentioned, you know up a, a few percentage points today, it's closing in once again on being a one trillion dollar company. Um, does the stock look expensive to you? Because I think it's easy for people to anchor to the size of the company and just be like, God, that's got to be an expensive stock. But it seems like, on some levels, it's really not. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't look at it as overvalued. But I mean, I think it's a good long-term investment. I think it's got a really exciting and promising future. Um, but I am a little wary of the size myself. So I think it's a good investment, just not my first pick for you know a growth stock just because of how far it's come. 
Let's move on to 2U, which is the online education company. And 2U is having the worst day I can remember a public company having in a long, long time. Shares of 2U are down 60% today after second quarter results were worse than expected. And Elise, guidance for the near term was, quite frankly, for a much wider loss. I mean, there's <laughs> it, you'd be hard pressed to find something that happened either in two use quarter or on the conference call to give you a lot of confidence. Oh yeah, absolutely. So they were they really emphasized how their um, graduate school programs are kind of shifting and they have to shift their structure. So they're going to expect greater losses while they're doing all this um, restructuring. And so in the near term, it's going to cause a lot of issues and probably their bottom line will growingly, well, increasingly be negative. So, not a good sign for a company like this, especially when their revenues aren't growing as much as they would like them to be, especially as a growth company. Yeah, this is, you and I were talking earlier today, this is one of those situations, and we've seen this with other businesses, where if you're a growth stock and you stop growing, then a lot of people on Wall Street just don't want to be a part of that. Um, Chip Posick is the CEO at 2U. We had him as one of our speakers at our Fool Fest event earlier this year, and uh, I think it's fair to say we're fans of Chip. I mean, just just as a business leader, and one of the reasons uh, I'm a fan of Chips is because he strikes me as someone who's a pretty straight shooter, and he was pretty straight on the call today when he was talking about not just the restructuring that you mentioned, but how competitive the online education market is getting. Yeah, they actually mentioned a lot of regional competition that they're experiencing, and that's why they have to do all this restructuring. So, they are saying, like in the long term, this is going to be good, but right now, it's going to be an issue, at least for their bottom line and their top line, probably. So. Hopefully, they can recover and um, grow their revenues more, and um, you know, cut back on their losses. So, back in April, shares of Two U were in the mid 70s. Today, this stock's going for fourteen dollars. It's on clearance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this isn't just on sale. This is a clearance sale, uh, and I'm sure it's natural for people to just ask, okay. If I think online education is going to continue to grow, and I do, I'm not a shareholder of this company, but I, I think that will continue to grow. Is this is this a screaming buy right now? Like I like I don't know. I mean, it seems like they have a lot of challenges, and, and Chip Posick and his team are being very upfront about that. But this may be one of those situations where two years from now, we look back and say, "Oh my God, that was the time I should have bought." What do you think? Yeah, I mean the. Education system is higher education system is growing. I mean, it's huge now. But the thing is, I feel like there's going to be a, kind of a reactionary effect um, if you're talking economically, and this could be a potential downside. And I don't know. I honestly don't know. I wouldn't say it's an investment. Possibly, it might be. I would just maybe say buy. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> hesitantly. Well, no, like I said, I mean, I th- I think the the market will continue to grow. Uh, I'm a fan of chips as a leader. Um, someone is going to win this race. Yeah, two you could be one of the winners of this race. Um, but given all the challenges he was very upfront about today, it, you know, it's all it's also quite possible they're not one of the winners. Yeah, but if they can provide a platform where it's cheaper to get your graduate degree, that's good, and that's what people would like because they want a cheaper education. They don't want to spend like 
tens of thousands of dollars on a degree. And, you know, so if they can do that and they can lower that price and still get to a huge market because it's online, so you can get to more people, that's where I see the potential. Quick thanks to DataSite One from Merrill Corporation, the market-leading due diligence app for the entire M&A lifecycle, helping companies worldwide close more deals faster. When you're looking to execute due diligence, DataSite One has what you need. It's quick. New projects can be set up in minutes. Uh, it's got ironclad security, multi-level controls and permissions, prevent accidental information sharing, which is never a good thing. Accidental information sharing in your personal life, your professional life, your mergers and acquisitions life, it's never good. They've also got advanced watermarking that provides added security to documents. And if you, you need a little help, that's no problem either. Customer service is 24-7, every day of the year, provided in 14 languages, with expert input as a global industry leader. And their mobile-enabled platform extends data room access and user permissions beyond the desktop. To learn more about DataSite One and to sign up for a free demo, just go to merrillcorp.com fool. You can speak to an expert at DataSite One, like our team did, and learn how to acceler uh, accelerate your due diligence. Again, that's M-E-R-R-I-L-L-C-O-R-P.com slash fool. Sign up for a free personalized demo. And thanks to Merrill Corp for their support. We'll put the URL in the show description. Let's move on to Spotify. Spotify's revenue in the second quarter was higher than expected, but shares are down a little bit today. Greg, I'll start with you. I mean, they've they've got 108 million paying subscribers. Uh, you know, Wall Street analysts were expecting 108 and a half million. Yeah. So, okay, I suppose technically they missed, but it it, it seems like the business is going yeah. well. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I mean, I, I understand why. I guess the stock is down a little bit. They missed that one guidance point, which is probably the most important metric for the company, but they also did hit every other single guidance they were going for. So, um, as an investor, I'm, I'm really not too worried. Uh, I think it's pretty small, and I'm, I'm still extremely bullish on the company and excited for the future. Why do you think shares of Spotify have basically been flat since they went public? Because just the optics of it, you know, they're the clear leader in the music streaming mm -hmm. space. They're, I think, doing a pretty effective job of expanding beyond music. They've made a lot of investments in podcasts. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention you can listen to all of the Motley Fool's podcasts on Spotify as well. Um, but for all of the success they've had, you know, usually we see market leaders <laughs> rewarding shareholders. Right. And I, I'm just wondering if on some level there are uh, investors on Wall Street who just sort of look at this and go, "Yeah, but Apple." I mean, just to bring it back to Apple, mm -hmm. you know, Apple's you potential know, competition. Potential competition doesn't have as many paying subs, but yeah. God knows their pockets are deep. Right. Um, yeah, I guess part of that is definitely the the risk of larger companies coming over and taking over the industry. But um, I guess another potential issue is they're still unprofitable for the last two years. So. What do you think? Um, well, I mean, I love Spotify. I mean, and people mention Apple as, you know, their competitor, and oh, but you know, Apple's amazing. Like, isn't their music like service good? And I personally don't think their service is anywhere close to Spotify's. Spotify's um, algorithms that track and recommend so many um, diff different artists, and it's just a great platform where people love 
to find new music and they are selling tickets through it. They're expanding into podcasts. They're expanding so much. And I just see a, a great future for this company in the yeah. whole entire ent- entertainment industry, actually. so Much more than just a music streaming yeah, app now. Yeah, and I think they've talked about a little bit of more video, visual type um, stuff, but I don't know if that's actually going to be a thing. But um, there's a lot of potential for this company. I think their brand's great. I don't see any reason I would switch to Apple. So... I don't see it really much as a threat. Well, and that's the thing we, you know, we've talked before about video streaming services and how you don't need to have just one. I mean, they're priced in such a way that you know there are plenty of people, myself included, who are you know I'm a Netflix subscriber, but when Disney Plus launches their video service, I'm probably going to subscribe to that. You're going music, however, really seems like one of those services where. If I've got Spotify, I don't know that yeah. I why I would get Apple Music and vice versa. So yeah. it's it seems a little bit like a zero sum game, more so than video anyway. I find it to be a really sticky platform actually, because I have probably way too many playlists that I've made over the years, but I don't want to have to change those and shift them over to a whole entire different platform. And I like to go back to my playlists and listen, you know, what music did I listen to five years ago? So that's where I think this platform's so great, and I think that they're going to continue to add users. They're going to retain users as well. Yeah, and I think with all of the, although you know, very uh, noteworthy threats and future competition, um, Spotify's just been growing, and, and you can just hear the way we talk about it. I think they definitely have a loyal customer base. They have 108, not 108.5, <laughs> but we'll let that one slide of uh, loyal customers who love the service. So. I think in the future it is a sticky product, and overall people are not going to want to switch their their fans. So, last thing before we move on, uh, we talked about Apple and the iPhone being such a dominant part of that business, um, but how they've been growing the other segments. You look at Spotify, um, and at least you've mentioned some of the other things that they're starting to get into in terms of how Spotify makes money. It is those 108 million paying subscribers. That's overwhelmingly where the money is coming from. What do you think is the best other opportunity they have out there? Obviously, they're going to continue to focus on growing the paid subscriber base. But I'm wondering if it's selling tickets to concerts, if it's live events, if if it's video. I mean, where where do you think they can go in the same way that Apple launched wearables a while back and it was this tiny fraction right out of the gate of their overall revenue pie, but they've steadily grown that piece. Um, what do you think is um, maybe not a moonshot, but something that Spotify should look to expand? That they're not currently doing right now, or or that they're doing in a smaller way right now. Um, I mean, podcasts. I, they they're saying they're growing a lot. I think that's amazing, especially if they have their own content. Um, but besides podcasts, man, I have no idea. This is a big one. Um, I think the concert one is actually. I don't think that many people know that they do that on their platform. I just heard about it today as well. Oh, really? Yeah. From me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I think it's great because I'm not someone who would typically go to a concert that often, but they've they're saying you know these are these obscure artists that I listen to, and they'll recommend concerts. You know they're in the area. Here's um this guy's coming to your area in the next three months. Buy tickets here, and it takes you directly to Ticketmaster or another ticketing website. So I think they have a partnership with Ticketmaster, but I think that's a huge um, market they could tap into for sure. 
Um, before we wrap up, every week on Motley Fool Money, we talk about stocks on our radar. Um, Greg, I'll just start with you. Give me, give me a stock to add to my watch list. Yeah, no problem. Well, actually, as we discussed, I think it may be just on the border of your watch list, but um, the, the stock I've been looking at is Smartsheet, and that ticker is SMAR, and their stock price is at 53. And it's a pretty newly public company, IPO'd in 2018. And what they do is they have a cloud-based platform for unstructured work management. Um, so that's any company with work that is project-based, um, has to do with emails and person meetings, um, and really streamlines that process through the platform and helps employees make you know, better decision-making. Um, yeah, the product's scalable, so uh, they sell it all to customers of all different sizes and also customers in all different industries. It's applicable. So. Uh, they've had a three-year compounded annual growth of 63%, so they're growing like crazy. Yeah. Wow. Um, Smartsheet is about a $6 billion market cap. Right, yeah. Do you think that, and, and for me personally, this is never a reason to buy a stock, but if it's on the list of reasons, right. then uh, right. you know that, that adds a little something for me. But it seems like they're doing really well. It's a six billion dollar company, so it's not enormous. Do you think? Would you be surprised if at some point in the next three years, someone came along and made them a godfather offer and acquired them? Um, yeah, it's crossed my mind. Um, I'm not. I'm not totally sure. I haven't given it too much thought, but you know, for now, I'm thinking in the next five years, I think they'll continue to do what they're doing well and continue to grow. But that's definitely something to consider. All right, Elise, what about you? Uh, a stock I have loved and really looked through um, this whole internship has been Revolve. And um, they IPO'd back in June, um, beginning of June, and their ticker is RVLV, and they're an online um, retailer. So they're mostly a tech company. They're a retail company at face value, but they're a tech company um, behind the scenes. And so I think it's um, a great play on the that industry. Um, and their revenues, they're one of the few profitable IPOs, and their annual revenue um, net income was around $500 million. So they're growing a lot. I w I'm really looking forward to seeing this um, quarterly earnings report, their first one as a public company, um, next week, I think. Uh, what do they sell? They sell uh, women's fashion primarily. I think they're trying to get into the menswear industry, but they're, mo they're mostly fashion, High fashion, they have a high fashion leg, which is like about 17% of their sales. And um, yeah, and they're trying to get into the male industry. Hopefully they can tap into that. That's much harder because they a lot of their advertising is on Instagram. So they use a lot of Instagram influencers to get into, tap into that market. And it's primarily for that millennial Gen Z consumer because everyone shops online now. So, um, it's like an online Nordstrom, I would say, fully online Nordstrom. Probably the easiest way to, you know, sum it up. But they're trading around three fifty, thirty-four fifty right now. So hopefully, they'll have a good earnings report. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if Nordstrom can actually make the transition to being an online Nordstrom. That would probably help their business. Yeah, they have a 
they have a website, but it's not as, you <laughs> But know. no one knows about it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Greg Bechtel, Elise Montgomery, thanks for being here. Thanks for all your work this summer. Really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thank, you, thank so you so much. Thank you so much. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.